Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Time now for Dan Issel and Louis Rabot, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Dan and Louis. Happy Friday, everybody. This is Issel and Louis, ESPN 680, 105.7. Thanks for joining us this morning, listening into this little thing we call Issel and Louis. And, of course, the first hour of the show brought to you by Kentucky Tourism, KentuckyTourism.com. Good morning, Louis. What's going on, Dan? How are you, man? Uh-oh, that didn't sound no, good. No, it's not good. I'm not good today, man. I'm not good. I'm not good. Well, that make that makes good. two of us cuz I'm <laughs> I'm fighting I'm fighting a cold oh, and and so we got to pick we got to pick our game up here, Louie. <laughs> the only saving grace is uh, number 1, we both love doing this show. Number 2, we have two guests on that we both really like. And um, Dan, I drove here today. So, part of it is the weather, okay? I live on a hill. There is standing water in my backyard. Wow. That's not supposed to happen. I drove by the field. I drive by the field hockey field every day coming here. There's standing water on the field hockey field, which is designed to be literally watered before every game and then drain off. It's designed to drain off, and it's got standing water. So I wanna, much, by the way, how shout much out rain to the people. have you had? I, what are we getting today? Six inches today? No. It, it, it's something insane, Dan. I'm t- they canceled school here. Yeah, they canceled. I, I saw they, they canceled school in uh, Fayette County, too. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. Like, there's, I, he said it out loud, not me. Nick, Nick Valiano put this in the ether of maybe the beer festival tomorrow gets canceled. Like, it's that bad. Oh. And I'm, I'm not going to that, but, I mean, I, there, there are people around here whose lives are apparently not very good because they look forward to beer festivals. And um, they, uh, I think there's some serious concern that Bowman Field's going to be underwater tomorrow. I'm not kidding. So if, if a now, field hockey field can't drain, I'm very no, concerned about no, Bowman then, Field. No, then you've got problems. <laughs> it's a um, real issue. So yeah. is it just rain or is it storming too? Yeah, the, the reason they canceled school is because of winds. Like it would, it, there's a chance that it would like knock school buses over. It's that windy. Mm. Mm. I do. I have to say, um, I only saw one accident on the way here. So to the people of Louisville, good job. Because you stink at driving. All of you. You're terrible. Um, so for there only to be one accident, applause. Serious applause. Well, that's because that's they're only going seven miles an hour. <laughs> Staring at their phones, not going through red lights. Oh, man. Ugh. Bill texted right away. I love it. Okay, 437 line. Dan or Louie, can you comment on Louisville staff wearing Nike gear in public? Seems like the ultimate in incompetence. Uh, look, I, I actually...
actually don't disagree with that comment. Like, the, there's Adidas. Everyone complains about the Adidas deal. They give Louisville so much freaking money. I mean, just unbel- just ungodly amounts of money. Yeah, legally and illegally. Apparently, and so um, I just. I, yeah, I, I don't. I th- this is the stuff I don't understand about the shoe deals and and players and and everything else. But no, I, I I don't hate that. By the way, I, I mentioned people. Uh, Marty McGee is down at Gulfstream Park in much better weather in Hallandale Beach. He's going to join us at ten thirty. Fountain of Youth Saturday down there, uh, getting ready for the Derby, and then Caitlin Free, who's now become a frequent guest. I'm happy we got Caitlin more often. She's nice. Uh, up at Turfway Park uh, if they run today. Um, and then uh, they've got to carry over in that late pick five hundred grand, Dan. Well, and, and for those of you who like to handicap, I also want to point out there are great cards all over the country. Probably. How would uh, you know that, Dan? Uh, well, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I I invest in a little thing called daily racing form PPs. <laughs> I heard you didn't do much investing this weekend. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I got off the hook for about 20 bucks. Um but there Love you too, is, buddy. Love you too. Talking about carryovers, there's a, you know, a Santa Anita yeah. is one of those tracks where it's only a 20-cent pick six, but you have to be the only winner right. to, to cash out. And tomorrow at Santa Anita with another great card, uh, it's a mandatory payout. So that's the first place I'm going to be handicapping today. If you are interested in Big Cap Day, we uh, we had a... Uh, uh, John uh, Lindo on last night from uh, Thoroughbred Los Angeles Radio um, on the podcast Horse Racing Happy Hour. Go find that episode. John was great. I was blown away by how good John is. He's been. I, I've got a little price horse in that race in the San Felipe. Uh, no, in the um, oh, in the big cap. Sorry, yeah. yeah, the big cap, the Santa Anita handicap. I should say, just in case people don't know what the big cap is. But yeah, there you go. He told me when he was growing up um, in Southern California that was the biggest day of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, I'm sure you've was, been to it numerous times, yeah. Well, I haven't been numerous times, but yeah, the big cap was uh, that 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 was that was one of the bigger races of the year for a long long time. Yeah, it's the only thing I wish we had in Louisville was and I think it's why they really have targeted the night racing. Because having a serious crowd at races is really fun. And Santa Anita this year has already had multiple 40,000 plus crowds. Um, which is freaking awesome. I think. Well, um, if there was anything, if there was anything good that came out of COVID, I, I think it was the thoroughbred industry. Because it, remember, Louis, for a long time, that was the only thing still going was the horse tracks. You you don't have to tell me. I watched our numbers on the podcast. You don't have to tell me, man. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if uh, uh, you know, if anything good came out of that, it was the thoroughbred industry, I think, picked up a lot of new fans. We, we had something like 30,000 downloads for an Arkansas Derby show. <laughs> wow. Because uh, it ran up. Remember, that year it ran on the what was traditionally the first Saturday of May, the, the Kentucky Derby the Day. Der- the der- yeah. 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 The and, Kentucky um, Derby. Man, yep. I know I've told this story, but that year was so weird. We we were the only radio because of this place, because of six eighty and um and the and the podcast. We were the only radio guys at Churchill Downs for the September Derby. And um everything was closed in the whole place, so we had to like bring snacks and do all that kind of stuff. And um I stuck a bottle of mint julep in my backpack through a National Guard rifle post. <laughs> How about that? Dog didn't smell that. What's up? Um but yeah, so I got to have a julep at the uh, at the September Derby. It's a picture of me with I don't know forty thousand empty seats behind me. Uh, yeah, two minutes before yeah. the Derby on a perfect, perfect seventy six degree day. Oh my god, it was unbelievable. 
But it was me, Mike, and Tim Sullivan in 322. That was that was the extent of everyone in the media section on Derby Day, man. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Yeah, no, but we did. We really benefited. I mean, in a weird way, we really benefited from, from COVID. And the cool thing was young people discovered thoroughbred racing during that yeah. time as well. So we got a bunch yeah. of new young fans and stuff, too. Absolutely. But it is basketball season, people. Uh, today is the ACC tournament over on 93.9. If you don't want to listen to us, the network pregame starts at 1030. And the play-by-play with Nick Curran, our guy Nick Curran, starts at 11. And uh, they are the four seed over there in that game. I actually, uh, yeah, it's Wake Forest that they played. So uh, Wake Forest got through their game yesterday, and so they will play Wake Forest. Uh, today at 11, over on 93.9 if you want to listen to the play-by-play. There you go. Yeah, well, speaking of women's basketball, what about, what about the Wildcats? They they were the 14th seed. In, no, they are the 14th I was seed say, in, change, in the yeah. SEC <laughs> women's tournament. I think they lost their last seven games during the regular season. You know what, Dan? And, it's all about March. Um, yeah, and yeah. Mitch Barnhart understands that. That's why he hired a coach. That That's right. That's why Coach Elsie is. Uh, and so as the 14th <laughs> seed, they have already won two games in the tournament. So good for the Lady Wildcats. I think that's... I think that's funny. I have Louisville on the show sheet playing at Virginia, and I want nothing more than Louisville to go win that game and ruin Virginia. Well, that ain't happening. This this is this this game means something to Virginia, so that's that's not happening. I mean, it's not happening even if it didn't mean anything to Virginia. But um, I mean, yeah, Virginia's so, lost two of three. Man, they lost to Boston College and at, at North Carolina. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not saying I'm not saying Louisville's going to win that game, but for and I hope you're not saying Louisville's North Carolina. No, no, no. But for yeah. funny reasons, um, I need Virginia to lose to Louisville this weekend. It would be very funny. Well, you – no, that's just <laughs> self-serving, Lewis. That's self-serving to because get five you wins, picked them to win five games. We, we, that's uh, hey, why hey, you – Hey, still got the ACC tournament, big boy. You settle down. <laughs> They're going to go on a Kentucky women's basketball type run in the, there you go. the ACC tournament. There you go. There's always hope. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, uh, the <laughs> – the the biggest story you have on here, and I feel sorry for the young man. Oh, uh, but uh, oh. I I can't I, I can't hide the fact that I'm really happy that, <laughs> Dave, that Davis did not break Pete's record. Oh, I I almost said on air yesterday, and it was because Jay was in. I should have said it. I, I said, I think he's going to have a good night, but he's not going to break the record. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, he actually didn't have a good night. Um, no, he uh, he had a very cold shooting night. Well, can you imagine Can you imagine the pressure on this young man? He needs, They almost won the game, Dan. They were up four with like two minutes left. What, what did the they uh, – I think they, they needed what? Um, he, he needed, needed 26. 20, he scored 22. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, to, to go out there. If people don't know what we're talking about, Antoine Davis, son of Mike Davis, plays at Detroit Mercy, uh, had a chance if he scored 26 points last night to pass Pete Maravich's record for all-time scoring, even though Maravich did it without a three-point line in three seasons. And, this and, is, half, and half as many games. And, yeah, essentially four and a half seasons for Antoine because of the, the COVID year. There you go. But he fell, uh, he fell three points short. And uh, but I, what I was going to really say is, can you imagine the pressure? I need to score 26 points to be the all-time leading scorer in college basketball history. <laughs> I imagine he was puckering a little bit at that. One. <laughs> <laughs> a little pucker on a Friday? How about that? I uh, yeah, no, I agree. I the that's a, an immense amount of pressure. I I was actually I thought it, with about two minutes left, I'm like, holy crap! If they win this game. 
Like Denny will get it yeah, for sure. That's a done deal for sure. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. My dad's a Detroit Mercy alum. I don't know if I've ever said that, so I do follow no. them. Yeah, I do follow them. And so, um, I, I, man, I don't know if you know this about my dad. So my dad and my mom are a, a miracle story, frankly. So they grew up on the opposite side of the tracks. They met because my dad's um, older sister was dating my mom's older brother. Mm. So my mother's brother married my father's sister. <laughs> Sounds like Kentucky, but it's not. I promise. So, um, <laughs> at least he didn't marry his sister. Correct. That's right. There you go. Uh, and so, I have cousins with the exact same family. We have double everything. Well, that's kind of cool. It's amazing, actually. So when yeah. my so when my brother got leukemia, uh, I'll give you an idea. So when my brother got leukemia, obviously he needed a bone marrow transplant, and so I actually matched with my brother. So it was me. But if if my sister and I didn't match, we were actually going to check out my cousins because they have the same. Yeah, the same genetic code, right? So it was really interesting, actually. But anyways, um, so who was from who was from the uh, the bad side of the tracks? Oh, my mom. Oh, my mom. Oh, Oh, your mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So, of course, I learned way more from her dad than I did from my dad's dad. (laughs) I had a great I had a great time with him. He was one of the I I think like an all time grandpa, like just terrific guy. We'd go fishing together. We'd go golfing together. Um, We'd eat at greasy diners together. Like he was one of these guys like two. True blue collar, but when he died, uh, Dan, he was worth, uh, he and his wife, he, he retired in his early 50s, figured out the world, okay, beautiful pension, had a retirement account put together. When he retired, he was worth more than a million dollars. His dad was a, 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 a not a good guy and, and, and sort of transient. He never lived in a place longer than six months growing up, owned the same house for over 40 years, died. He was, he was a millionaire when he died. That's amazing. Just one of these you know, guys. That, I learned so much from him. He's such. That, I, that's I, a real oh. blessing because I, yeah. I I had the same I had the same experience that to have a grandpa that you can do things with and and uh, you know he's a, a spiritual man that that you know is always doing the right thing and always helping you to do the right not always but helping sure. you to do the right thing that that's that's a real blessing and I I had the same thing. Yeah, Grandpa Don, man, he was. A, just an unbelievable guy. And and uh, so I, I took him – I always wanted to give him experiences that he didn't have in his life when I got older and, and, you know, had the ability to do those things. And he always went with it, even if his – I mean, he had a terrible left knee and could barely walk and, he, you know, this kind of stuff. He just – he always showed up. He always did, you know, he always went the extra mile. He's just such a great guy. And I, I, I don't know if I've actually told the story on air. So he gets um, a mass behind his lung and it's cancerous and there's nothing they can do about it. And he's 81 or two. And um, so they put him in hospice. And they're like, hey, you got five, six months. So, you know, I, I was always the grandson. I'd call like once a week, talk to grandma and grandpa, just see what they were up to, you know, that kind of thing. So we keep doing it. My grandmother, they were married uh, at 20 and 21. So they're in their 80s at this point. They've been married 60 years, always together. I mean, just, just a, an unbelievable couple. She gets the news. And her health deteriorates immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get a call on a Tuesday in January. It's my mom. Hey, uh, Grandma passed away today. And I have, a, I have a rule. I have a life rule, Avery, that when someone dies, I want to I be there to see them before they're put in the ground. I want to see the body. I didn't get to do that with my brother. And so I have this, like, 5% of my brain's like, oh, he's alive. He just lives in Sacramento or something. He just doesn't talk to me. It's totally irrational. I totally understand. I know why my parents did what they did. 
but it's, I'm totally stuck on it. So I, I'm like, no problem. I'll figure it out. Drove up to Michigan the next day. Spent the week with my cousin who lives uh, near where my grandparents uh, were living at the time. Um, had a great time with them. And I go in. Four hours before my grandmother's funeral, my grandpa dies. Yep. Yeah. He couldn't Isn't it, it funny? That couldn't happens it. a lot. Unbelievable. So we literally show up to the church for the funeral. People walk in. We have to tell them that both of them have passed. Mm. And I'm, I'm, that, that's the kind of dude he was. That's, that's what he was living for. And I just I, I so idolize him. He's one of my favorite people that ever, ever lived in, and I miss him all the time. Um, but I remember the only person I called after the Pistons won the 2008 championship was my grandpa. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we had that in common, too. But, yeah, no, just having those guys in your life that are – he was a grinder, man, just an absolute grinder in the very best way. And, um, but he figured, he figured out the system. He's like, wait, I'm 52. I don't have to work anymore. Cool. Going fishing. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I'm out. Good for him. Yeah, it was Good amazing. for him. My, my, my grandfather uh, loved my career. Mm. And uh, he, he they lived, when I was playing for the Colonels, they lived in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. But after the sun went down, they could get WHAS in Wichita. Nice. And so he would. they would have people over. They would have people visiting. They would have people for dinner. It got time for the colonels to come on. Grandpa'd say, "Thanks for coming." <laughs> he, he, he'd go to the bedroom and turn his radio on, close the door, and listen to the colonels. My, my grandmother was left to entertain the, the company. <laughs> that's an underrated thing that's gone away too. Is the big stick radio stations? Um, yeah. So like yeah. WJR out of Detroit, we could get Tigers games in Grand Rapids, two and a half hour drive away. On WJR, if on the right night, totally what you're talking about, yeah, yeah. Now, now he could get it. It came in loud and clear oh, in which, Wichita, Kansas. My grandmother was also the one that I think fostered uh, my love for thoroughbreds. I can remember the very first Kentucky Derby I saw was in my grandmother's living room on a black and white television. Tim Tam. I don't know what year that was. Had to be early. It's a solid dive bar in Louisville, by the way. Tim Tam. Yeah. Uh, it had to be uh, early 50s, uh, middle 50s, something like that. And I uh, and Sherry and I took my grandmother and grandfather uh, to the 100th Kentucky Derby, 1975. So, yeah, we had some fun. We had some fun times with my grandparents. The uh, the Tim Tam is a place. So whenever one of my teams does something exceptional, I find a neighborhood bar and go and I buy around for everybody in there. And so. Tim Tam was very close to our house when we lived um, in Audubon Park. And it's right across from St. X. And uh, I go in, and, and people are so polite that they're like, oh, no, you don't need to buy me a drink. I'm like, my, my team's going to the Rose Bowl. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> try, just take a beer, dude. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, like, and, uh, and so I think I bought beers for like four people, and everyone else is like, oh, no, no, I'm okay. Thank you. It's like, are, are you new here? Like, what are we <laughs> Is it still there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that place, they'll never go out of business. Tim Tam. You would love Tim Tam, man. I'll have to check that out. That's a Budweiser in the bottle kind of place for sure. There you go. Yes, sir. Yeah. There you go. Tim Tam's great. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, man. No, you're right. There's something about um, people in your life that that are not generationally connected to you that still, you know, like your grandfather being a fan of yours is, is huge, right? It's, it's incredible what those, I mean, you still talk about it. 
right? He's yeah, listening on yeah. the radio in Wichita, Kansas. He's like, hey, thanks for being here. Uh, I, I've got a grandson who's going to go dominate a Colonel's game. i got to go listen to that. So. That's great. Uh, my favorite grandfather story, and I've told this before, but it's worth retelling. Um, when uh, Early in our, uh, in our time in Denver, we would, the day after the season was over, we'd head for Kentucky. And we'd stay in Kentucky all summer long, come back to Denver the day before training camp started. Now, that that period got shorter and shorter as the kids got older. Sure. But uh, but as I said, they were in Wichita. So we'd 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 stop and spend the night with them uh, both directions. And so we get in uh, late one night and we sit up at the kitchen table and, and we talk and put Sheridan to bed and we go to bed late. And the next morning, at about 6.30, I hear the lawnmower under our bedroom window. And because <laughs> it, it gets so hot in Wichita in the summertime, my grandfather is out in a T-shirt mowing the yard at like 6.30 in the morning. Mm. So I, I get up. He gets finished. I hear the, the lawnmower shut off. I get up. I go into the kitchen table. And he's sitting there, and Louie, it, it, it is not a minute past 7.15 in the morning. Okay. And my grandfather's sitting at the kitchen table, sweat just pouring off of him, and he's got a shot and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's great. Uh, and then he offered me one. I said, it's a, it's a little early. It's a little early, Grandpa. That's how you do that. A little early. Avery, do you think Wichita choosing Cancun as a sister city is a good idea or self-serving? Like Cancun, Mexico? Yeah. I'd be all for it. Yeah, that, that seems a little self-serving, but it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I never got that. I never got that because when you drive out of the airport in uh, Lexington, okay, it has three yeah. or four sister cities right. you know, that are that are big in the thoroughbred industry, like someplace in Ireland, someplace in France. Uh, what does a sister city do? Uh, usually you, you have exchanges with those places. Um, a lot of times, so where I grew up, uh, they had a sister city where uh, uh, high school students could go visit for a couple of weeks or something like that, like a kind of a cultural exchange. Mm. Uh, Lexington's sister cities are Deauville in Normandy in France, uh, County Kildare in Ireland. Horse country. New Horse Market country. in the United Kingdom. Horse country. And uh, Shinhi Daka. In Hokkaido, Japan. Hmm. There you go. I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that's... Oh, the Japanese love their horse racing. Don't worry. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) They really do. Hey, Louie, we want to thank uh, George and the Bear Nose team for bringing lunch by the ESPN studios today. Cheese, George. Cheese. Bear Nose has you covered for all of the big events this weekend. Carry out, delivery, or dine in. There are 14 area locations in Metro Louisville and Southern Indiana. Yeah, it's that good. Bear Nose Pizza. Ditch the fish sticks, get a cheese pizza, people. There you go. There you go. All right. (laughs) Don't be like Dan. Don't eat fish sticks. All right. Um, (laughs) Okay, so we'll get to UK and and their trip to Fayetteville in a minute. But I want to talk about Arkansas. They're eight and nine in the conference, and people have them as a lock for the NCAA. A tournament. lock, yeah, it, yeah. Okay, it, and this is where I have to bend the knee because I was like, "Oh no, you know, you don't want to be a low seed in the NCAA tournament." <laughs> They're letting everybody in this year. <laughs> that's that's where we're at, right? Well, it, there's um, there, there's reason. I mean, y- you look at at, at uh, Michigan, and, and Michigan needs all the help they can get. They lost last they night. Go in, double they team. go into Illinois and yeah. lose in in double overtime. Wisconsin. 
they need all the help they can get. They go in, or no, they're at home yeah. and get beat by Purdue by two points. So i I think it's I think it's become Louis not not who are locks to get in, but there are so many teams that are locks not to make it. It's they have to take somebody. Avery, can you see this plane that just went by? Can you see the entrails behind it? That's how much it's raining. We can see I, the entrails of the plane like a hundred oh. feet off the ground. Yeah, yeah, a, a little. Oh, it's so gross. Oh my god. Sorry. Um, sorry. UPS jet just went by and it was like swaying because <laughs> it's so. I can't believe the landing planes in this. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> can't drive school buses or like. I don't know. Uh. And then Rutgers just. I mean, woof. We talked about Williams yesterday. Go to going to the barn and they. I mean, you can't lose to Minnesota, dude. You just can't. Yeah. Do nope. <sighs> that would be like losing to South Carolina at home or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in Arkansas, I know um, their uh, last year. I think they lost one game in February, and uh, they 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 were four and four in February. But they look like a team. I think Arkansas is probably a team you don't want to play. They've got their that uh, highly heralded freshman Nick Smith is is starting to get his feet on the ground after missing most of the year with an injury. And um, so I, I think I think Arkansas is going to be a, given that record, I think they're going to be a dangerous team going forward. The remarkable thing too in this article, we're, or this is from the Athletic that we're uh, we're quoting here, and this is uh, even Brennan, whose work I really enjoy. Um, three locks in the ACC, and they are Duke, Virginia, Miami, Pittsburgh, who is fourteen and five in the conference, has quote work to do. That's how bad the ACC is this year, and again. I only bring that up to stress that Louisville having four wins in this league is unbelievably unacceptable. I mean, it's it's un it's unimaginably bad, and that's why when the ACC was down to football recently and you had Scott Satterfield, the sensible salad that he is, not excelling, it was it was also historically terrible. I mean, these are this is uh, poor people around here. I can't imagine Clemson thirteen and six in the conference. Quote work to do to get in. They're twenty one and nine. It's the only time you see Louisville in the article is because they lost to Louisville. Ugh, unbelievable. Um, the Big 12 has a bunch of teams in Kansas, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, TCU, and Iowa State. Work to do West Virginia. You just saw them, and you think they're playing really well. And then yeah. Oklahoma State. So um, Now, West Virginia, what did they lose uh, the game I saw? They only lost. And it was, it was a one-possession one game right to the very end. Um, and they only lost at Kansas by like three, I think, and then went and beat Iowa State at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So they're they're playing better. All right, so let's play a little game here of who's in, who's out, and who do we think can make a deep run. So okay. they have the Big Ten. The following teams uh, Eamon Brennan considers to be locks. We'll only talk about them. Purdue, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois, and Northwestern. In the SEC, they have uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Missouri. Take out Alabama. Take out Purdue. Which conference is No, more? don't take out Purdue. Purdue's playing terrible. T- take them out okay. as, as the best, the highest-ranked teams in the conference. Oh, okay. All okay? right. I got you. I just, got you. Just for this exercise, which, t- which conference is more likely to have a Final Four team? Uh, <sighs> so, Tennessee... Arkansas, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Missouri. I think the only team that has an outside chance of being in the Final Four in that group is Arkansas right now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because of guard play, right? 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois, and Northwestern. I don't trust Iowa as far as I can throw them. Illinois is super Or Northwestern. They've lost three in a row. Yeah. Uh, who knows what's going on up there? I mean, Michigan State can play defense, but, I mean, at the same time, they just gave up 100 million points to Iowa. Um, Maryland has been up and down. Indiana, who the bleep knows which team is going to show up, and I don't, do not trust them to win four games in a row. Um, so that's why I asked. Because yeah, no. that, that um, you know, I, My, my I point guess, with that, by the way, is this, like, get, just get in the tournament and figure it out thing. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if I agree with that because I, – I, because I just I, I, I don't I don't trust any of those teams to just get in the tournament and figure it out. No, right. No, I, I guess given Izzo's uh, PPs and his ability to get you know not really great teams to the Final Four, I guess you'd have to take Michigan State. Maybe, maybe. But when they play well, they look really good this year. But it's a it's a weirdly, especially for this time of year, it's a weirdly inconsistent Michigan State team, and it has to do with talent, pure and simple. I mean, it's it's not hard to figure out why they're not great. It's people. But so. you said he's got a good recruiting class coming in. Next year, in a, in a down year, he will have a good recruiting class, correct? Yeah. No. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> plus, plus, the other part of it is, I have no idea who's shown up in the transfer portal, right? I mean, that's the biggest difference from year to year. I mean, they got Xavier Tillman coming in, the big out of Indianapolis, but who knows who's coming transfer portal-wise. I mean, L. Ellis might be starting at East Lansing next year. You never know, right? You just yep. you have no idea, yep. right? So uh, it's all about that NIL, and they got plenty of it up there. I mean, they really yep. do. So I it, would think so. And they're not the only ones. I mean, lots of schools have NIL, but um, but you know, when you've got a couple billionaires funding your program, you should have better players than they do for sure. <laughs> so, oh, oh, hey, Louie, when you're ready to explore the outdoors, not there's today. No- there's no better place than the Bluegrass State. Hike, bike, paddle, fish, or even venture deep underground. This is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Plan your getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. Hey, Derby, uh, Derby Prep Talk next with Marty McGee. Stay with us here on ESPN 680-1057. This segment with Dan Issel and Louis Rabot is presented by KentuckyTourism.com. All right, welcome back in. 10.30 segment here on a Friday. We made it, people. Here on ESPN 680-1057. It's Louie taking you up until the V-Show at noon. First replay. Sweezy Streetle, they will have the mixtape today, of course. Local programming 7 to 6 every day here on ESPN 680-1057. Thanks for making us part of your Friday morning. A reminder, we will have uh, the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show after that game tomorrow. Jason Entz, Mike Gandolfo, 4 p.m. First place to take your calls, texts, and hear from John Calipari. All of that tomorrow. ESPN 680-1057, and of course, on the app. And if you don't have the app, what are you doing? But a man who is not dealing with the weather here in Louisville today is a man named Marty McGee. He's with uh, the Daily Racing Forum, and very, very kind to join us this morning. Uh, Marty, uh, bleep you for the nice weather. How are you? Well, I'm doing good down here in the sunshine of Florida, Louie. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry you guys are having such trouble with the schools and the... uh, Wolf. Yeah, school's closing and the wind and the storms, and my girlfriend's going to have to go out and pick up some sticks again tonight, I guess. So, I, was, uh, anyway. I was telling Dan, we live at the uh, like on a hill, and we have standing water in our backyard. That's not good, Marty. It's just not good. <laughs> but the real problem is they got to pick five carry over at Turfway. I'm worried they're not going to be able to run in this wind. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody's worried about that. <laughs> Fresh on everyone's mind. All right, so um, you know you're down there covering <clears throat> covering Gulfstream as you as you usually do. Um, any any trends stand out to you so far in the championship meet? 
Oh, gosh. Uh, just bet on the Ortiz brothers. I think it was yeah, two right. days ago that they won seven out of eight. Uh, Jose won three. I ran won four. I ran it. Uh, I was writing some stuff for the uh, – they're having a giant rainbow six carryover here, force out. that they got to pay it all out. And, and if it doesn't get hit today or tomorrow – They'll probably get ten to twelve million dollars in it, and I was I was writing about the six races that are involved this morning, and called Irad Ortiz Jr. the hottest jockey on the planet, which he is. So uh, that that's it, it. Kind of doesn't matter who the, who he's riding. Uh, he, it, it seems like he's coming in a lot, and uh, it's kind of reminiscent of our days back in uh, when Pat Davis around mm. Churchill Downs in Keeneland. It was just the first thing you do when you handicap a race is who is Irad riding. <laughs> he, he, uh, and some of them, Marty, they're not all four to fives either. I mean, I've I've seen him come in with a number of double-digit winners lately. Yeah, he had one, I think, about 12 to 1 the other day. And, uh, you know, but still, when he wins with a 12, 12 to 1 coach, it's uh, it's like the horse should have been 30 to 1. So you're, you're not getting the value on him, but you are <laughs> getting him. It's like Lynn Whiting used to say about Pat Day. He should have to give everybody five pounds when he when he mounts up. <laughs> Marty McGee with us at DRF McGee on Twitter. If you are not following him, join nineteen thousand people um, who follow uh, Marty McGee on Twitter. Did you ever think there would be a thing like Twitter and that you would have nineteen thousand followers on it, Marty? It was hard to imagine it. You know, I walked into Pimlico <laughs> Racecourse on March tenth, nineteen eighty five, not even thinking about that in my first day in, in this profession. So my <laughs> my thirty eight year anniversary is coming up. I'm so old. I remember before Coach was pay- playing for the Colonels when they were playing on Walnut Street, now Muhammad Ali, uh, and uh, guys like Goose Ligon and Gene Moore, and, and of course Louis Dampier and Daryl Carrier were on the team. <laughs> Boy, that that was a long time ago, Marty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable card. What what is there like uh, seven or eight stake races uh, at at Gulfstream tomorrow? Nine. Nine. Tomorrow we're having yeah we're having a fourteen race card that starts at eleven a.m. Eastern. Of course, we're, we're still in Eastern Louisville. It's funny, though, if you drive south down toward Bowling Green, you get in the central time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, 14 races, nine of them are stakes, eight of them are graded. The last of those is the Fountain of Youth. Uh, it goes at 543 uh, p.m. And uh, uh, like you said, we've, had, we've kind of been starved for some good horses around here lately, and that's what they do. They purposely... Uh, backload these cards onto Saturdays where everybody has a day off and they bet their brains out and uh, they'll get like $40 million in handle tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But the Fountain of Youth, of course, a, a major stepping stone toward the May 6th Kentucky Derby. We've got the reigning divisional champion in Forte. He makes his three-year-old debut tomorrow. He's number four with the aforementioned Ired Ortiz Jr., uh, in, Porsche, in post four in a field of 10 three-year-olds in the Fountain of Youth. So the Fountain of Youth stakes, uh, if people are wondering, and Marty McGee with us from the Daily Racing Forum, um, is a 50-point race. Essentially, if you're healthy and you win this race, you're probably qualifying for the 20-horse field uh, for the Derby. Uh, Simplification won this race last year uh, for Antonio Sano, and of course, an Ortiz brother was on him. Uh, the uh, it's not necessarily a great predictor of Derby winners, but lots of very good horses have come out of this race. Gunavera, Mohamed, uh, Code of Honor. Um, Simplification, frankly, has, has won really well. Last winner, Dan, do you happen to know the last Fountain of Youth winner that went on to win the Kentucky Derby? Uh, I do not. 2013, Orb, um, of all things. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, how about yeah. that? A little John Velasquez. Um, do you, is anybody in this race tomorrow that can be a Derby winner? Oh, my gosh. We, you've got Forte and you've got a Chad Brown horse named Blazing Sevens 
who won the champagne last year. But you're right, Louie. I mean, once you once you uh, get to it'll be nine weeks from tomorrow to the Kentucky Derby, right? And it seems like the Fountain of Youth becomes somewhat of a distant memory by the time we get to that point. So th- there's a number of un- uh, a, a number of forgettable winners who have won this race in recent years, but. Uh, before Orb in 2013, the the last Fountain of Youth winner to go and win the Derby was, was Sandra Gulch back mm. in 1995. For uh, Mike Smith actually wrote him in that. Gary Stevens, of course, wrote him in the Kentucky Derby. But uh, that was one of Dwayne Lucas's four winners uh, of the uh, of the Kentucky Derby. Marty, you were talking about Pat Day and and Lynn Whiting and uh, and and days days of old. I mean, it used to be horses would start four, five, six times before they got to the first Saturday in May. Now it, it seems like a, two, a two-race prep is about all these people want anymore. Is that good or bad for horse racing? I guess it's good. I, I don't know, but I, I remember in the Churchill Downs press box, the one that they tore down, uh, they used to maintain a book of charts of all the derby starters, and you could go back like into the 60s and yeah. 70s and look at uh, – how many starts these horses would have? And they'd have like thirteen as a two-year-old, and then seven more as a uh, as a three-year-old. I, I remember Snow Chief from back, back in '86. He won both the Florida Derby and the Santa Anita Derby, which is, <laughs> would be unheard of now because they're scheduled so close together. But yeah, it, it's like they've gotten away from three preps back to only two. And I would imagine that Todd Pletcher right now with Forte. He's going to run him once here, and then he'll run him in either probably the Bluegrass, I would guess, since he won both the Breeders' Futurity and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile right. at Keeneland. Or if he runs big tomorrow, he might just keep him here and run him in the Florida Derby if he shows he likes the Gulfstream track. But uh, getting back to your point, Coach, it's, it's just like uh, the methods have changed, the philosophies have changed. It's a different ball game from what we grew up in. Uh, Marty McGee with us, DRF McGee on Twitter. Go find him there. Uh, it doesn't apply to the Fountain of Youth tomorrow, Marty, but around the country, four 50-point preps uh, tomorrow, including the Fountain of Youth, of course. We're seeing the Tim Yachtin runners who were previously in the Baffert barn. I am of the opinion that last year when he had that 90-day ban, when he actually had to not be at the track, it affected the Yachtin runners um, I think this year with him actually being at Santa Anita, being able to watch works and those sorts of things, even though whatever the technical rules are about him helping out with the training, I think him being on site is is a bigger is going to be helpful for those hopeful runners that are in these 50-point races. Do you agree with me? Do you think it's different than last year, or should we expect similar results to what we saw last year? Oh, gosh. I hadn't even thought of that, Louie. Um, That's why they pay me Bob the big bucks, Baffert, buddy. Yeah, Bob <laughs> Baffert, nonetheless, uh, if you want to call them Yachtin horses or Baffert horses, they've got a strong hand. They have Arabian Knight, yeah. who's one of the favorites right now. They have a horse named Reincarnate. Uh, they have a horse named Cave Rock. They have one named uh, National Treasure. And I think there's about a half dozen of them, actually. So uh, whatever the case, and it's going to be, you know, these have been such weird times with the, uh, the, I mean, we haven't had a normal derby since 2016. 2017, you had always dreaming over a really sloppy track. Yep. 18 was justifiable in a downpour. 19 was maximum security in the, in the, the sloppy track in a DQ. And then 2020 was the COVID year. 2021 was Medina Spirit. Last year, we had some bomb come in that, you know, he hasn't <laughs> won a race since then. Although Eric Reed's a pretty good friend of mine. Um, but anyway, this is going to be another one in that the whole Baffert issue yep. 
Baffert slash Yakin is going to dominate it. And uh, it would not surprise me if they had three or four runners and we're going through the same stuff about the Medina Spirit uh, fiasco. It's still in the courts. Probably will be a couple more years. So uh, I'd like to get back to normal at one point if we can uh, with the Kentucky Derby. I just assume once John Asher died, we'd never have a normal derby again. <laughs> well, it has held true, and he's up there watching and, and kind of chuckling. Marty, as we said, a great undercard for the Fountain of, uh, Fountain of Youth tomorrow. One race, uh, because he's a good friend of mine, that I'm really interested in is the Philly race, uh, uh, Oaks points on the line. And it looks like Rusty has got a, a serious Oaks contender here in Red Carpet Ready. He does, and I wrote about her at length, Dan, uh, in the Daily Racing Forum for, in the Saturday editions, oh. uh, quoting the owner, uh, Glenn Bo Bromagen, uh, who co-owns the uh, Red Carpet Ready. She's not lost yet in three starts. She kind of has a look as a two-speedy filly who won't uh, run as well when the, when the distance is stretch out like they are tomorrow to a mile uh he disagreed with me says i've heard people <laughs> saying that but she does have the pedigree and uh rusty has trained her uh watch her carefully and think that she will be able to get a distance of ground so i'm rooting for her because i'm a big rusty arnold fan myself all right yeah so- I, I i am too and the, the thing that's unbelievable is this philly has made three starts. She's undefeated. and But she is. I mean, uh, Oscar performance out of a street sense mare, she ought to be able to go to two chairs. In fact, you know, the fact that she broke her maiden sprinting at six furlongs is amazing to me. But th- th- this is something when I handicap, I love this. Looking at the buyer's figures, her buyers have gone 68, 78, 87. That's a real nice progression. Yeah, it is. And it takes about 100 to win the Kentucky Oaks. After they run here, they're going to go in the Ashland, which is on the okay. first Saturday of the King of the Spring meet at, on April 8th. And then from there, the Kentucky Oaks. And then uh, I think it was five years ago that Rusty and uh, Ashbrook Stable, which is Bo Bromagen, uh, upset the Ashland with Wheat No More. Uh, yep. She was like 30 to 1 in a five horse field and, and came through. Uh, but they're trying to do a repeat with, uh, with Red Carpet Ready. All right, so Dan and I have a disagreement, uh, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, uh, about how to name horses. I think when your dad is Oscar Performance, Red Carpet Ready is a terrific name. Dan would have named this horse something like Hot Brown Sandwich. Uh, who do you agree with, me or Dan? <laughs> I, sorry, Coach, I'm going to go with <laughs> I think I think actually we're going to find out that Red Carpet Ready is a, is a miler, and I think something like the Acorn is an excellent target for her this year, uh, the one-turn mile up at Belmont. Um, Marty, are you a distance person or a turns person or both? Because I've seen people say, oh, two-turn mile is the same as a one-turn mile. I'm a turns person. Um, I disagree with those people. Are you a distance or a turns person? I am a turns person. Okay. Yeah, I think a one-mile two-turner is a lot different than a – that flat mile out of the chute there at Churchill and here at Gulfstream, it's a grueling race, and it's got a different different dynamic to it. Yeah. Marty, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Uh, It's amazing to me how all of the good horses seem to find their way to such a few number of trainers. I mean, you've got you've got Baffert, who you mentioned, Pletcher, uh, Chad Brown. uh, I I guess that uh, Cox now, uh, Brad Cox has joined that group. Do do you think the is it good for horse racing that we have all these? uh, Not all have a few trainers that seem to get all the good horses 
you know what? It seems like it's more pronounced now, uh, more now than ever. It, it, yeah. it has always kind of been like that to a certain degree. You always had the one guy had more than the other. I, I mean, I've kind of got a little something of a personal stake in it, and that my brother Paul McGee, he's won more than a thousand races. He's done great with stakes horses, won Grade Ones, all of that. But the knockers, the uh, the owners are not knocking on his door as much as they would and if any kind of good horse for any kind of quote-unquote smaller trainer uh, turns up with a good horse you, you've got uh, bloodstock agents blowing up their phone trying to buy it and then ultimately turn it over to a guy like brad cox or todd fletcher or whomever and uh that's just the way it goes it's the it's up to the owners that they choose i have a certain theory coach that uh if if a guy who has a lot of money buys a horse, he's asked who's the best in the business. So you get those names, the Bafferts and the Pletchers and the Chads. And uh, then if the horse doesn't turn out, they can always say, well, I, I got the best in the business and it just didn't work out. And so I think that's part of the reasoning that some of, the guys, some of these guys do get as many horses as they do. Marty McGee with us. He's down at Gulfstream Park. We are previewing uh, Fountain of Youth Day. Let's go ahead and get into that race, Marty. Um, you mentioned a couple of horses here. We've actually seen in some of the preps uh, recently that the horses coming off layoffs from their two-year-old seasons, even if they were impressive in the two-year-old season, haven't fired early on in these races. Um, I think Instant Coffee is like the one exception to that. Forte and Blazing Sevens do fall into that. Is there a reason to look at a horse like a Rocket Can or a Mage tomorrow? I think there is. Maybe not them, but uh, Forte is by violence. So that just screams to me, sprinter slash miler, even though he did win twice going a mile and 16th at Keeneland. I, I still think that at some point down the road, uh, his pit, his pedigree will, will come out. So um, we did have – I had put some on Twitter a couple of days ago about General Jim, number one in mm-hmm. here. Uh, he missed his scheduled workout last, week at, last weekend for Shug McGahee. Uh, he was kind of skeptical whether or not he was actually going to run. So do not be surprised if number one, General Jim, who is a six to one third choice in the race, is scratched. Um, but as far as, uh, as long shots, I would love to see Cyclone Mischief redeem himself. Coach, I know you and Dale have been close over the years. You had, uh, he's trained horses for you. Uh, he gave, he gave him no real excuse for his seventh place finish in the Holy Bull, but, uh, Dale did win this race a few years ago with with uh, promises fulfilled. I'd love to see this horse just go on and get out there and, and, and run a big race. Uh, that Cyclone Mischief number nine with Tyler De- Gaffleone. So uh, he would be my long shot pick in here. Marty, you mentioned Dale, and uh, I don't know if you if you wrote the story or not, but uh, Dale has lost 140 pounds. I, I guess he had the, the surgery on the stomach. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I went up to – I snuck up on him a couple mornings ago <laughs> and, uh, on the backside and gave him a kiss on the cheek. He smelled like a cigar because he can't eat, so he's, he's smoking these cigars at all times, which is a great way to, to keep losing weight, I guess. He looks great. He's, he's looked better than he has in many years, and uh, good for him. They quit drinking, Dan. Uh, what, uh, he was on uh, – we, we, we carry uh, – uh, uh, Mike show on uh, Mike Pettis show on on Saturdays here, and uh, he does the final segment with uh, with Tim Wilkin, which is always fun. And 
uh, he said he quit drinking, and and Tim asked him, "Will you have a Will you have a beer if you win the Derby?" And he goes, "Of course, I'm having a beer if I win the Derby." <laughs> what are we doing here? He might he might have more than a beer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the race before the Fountain of Youth, and Marty McGee with us from the DRF uh, DRF dot com. Go check out all their stuff. And if you're in Louisville, man, DRF is available lots of places. Uh, my my liquor store on the corner, Evergreen Liquors, is uh, one of those spots. So go up. Uh, always a nice read. Nice to have that physical form too, Dan. Uh, to have Absolutely, that, yeah, I've got to have. It. I even if I've got it on my iPad, I print it out. Oh, you I, you know, awesome. hard to teach an old dog. <laughs> and uh, so the Mac uh, Diramita is the is the race before that. It's a marathon race, going three turns on the turf course. There, it, with the installation of the tapita, it did change the the sort of nature of the turf course. There, um, I, I I I try to find two horses in these kinds of races, Marty. One that's going to be on the lead and could just get out front, stay out front, and one that I I trust to either close or to be a stalker. Um, I landed on astronaut before they um, before they came out with the morning line with Luis Saez. Um, who else do you like in that race? I like Value Engineering. I think Mike Maker. He has been so tough, not only in Kentucky but down here in Florida in these uh, marathon turf races for older horses. And Value Engineering got beat by his Maker stablemate Red Knight. Who is not running in this race? He's waiting for the uh, for the uh, race on Florida Derby Day down here. Red Knight anyway, might be the most underrated horse in North America. Yeah, I think I, he's nine years old now. It's but, unbelievable. Uh, he's great. Yeah, but Value Engineering made a huge move in that race, and it looked like he was a winner and deep stretch until Red Knight went by him. But uh, I think off that race and with Maker in his quarter, I'm going to go with Value Engineering. Nice. Marty, as far as I'm concerned, you have the greatest job in the world. <laughs> it's uh, up there. You get to spend spend the winters at Gulfstream. When will you be headed back to to Kentucky at the at the beginning of the Keeneland meet? Well, I've been coming down here since uh, 1996. I used to I went to Oakland for four years. I worked for the Forum for more than 30 years now. And before that, of course, I was with the Baltimore Sun for seven. So I've done it, like I said, 38 years. And uh, I appreciate you saying that, Coach. I think I'm going to write a book about it one day and just uh, kind of detail all my uh, memoirs, et cetera, but, uh, including going to the CU play the New Orleans Buccaneers and the Floridians and the Memphis Tams. <laughs> so, you know, the St. Louis spirit. But, uh, uh, who, was, who was the fellow that played? What about John Brisker? Was he pretty tough to play against for the Pipers? Well, thank goodness he was a guard, but I, I remember he used to beat poor Louie up. I mean, Louis had no the Louis had no shot against Brisker. This show, yeah. there's more Louis Dampier slander on this show than than anywhere else in the world. That poor guy, yeah, it's such an easy target. <laughs> what about Daryl Carrier shooting, uh, jump shooting his free throws? I, I always love that. But, uh, but Dar- no, I'm, Dar- coming, I'm, I'm coming home in three weeks. Uh, Dave Grinning, my New York colleague, yeah. uh, we we established a, a pattern years ago where he gets to come down. I take the ball down to the three yard line. He carries it over the goal line for, with the Florida Derby and. I'm back watching basketball and getting ready for Keeneland. Now, here's here's something I did not know about you. You lived in Baltimore for seven years? So, yeah, I wrote for the Baltimore Sun from 85 till early 92, and then joined the forum in May of 92. My first gig was at Monmouth Park, and I wish they'd run the Breeders' Cup there again because oh, the one in 07 was an aberration. It's a, it's a magnificent facility. Yep, the way yep. the Gulfstream down here used to be, and everybody loved it, no, not so much, but... Uh, Anyway, yeah, I've been a number of places there, Coach. 
Yeah, I, 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 fortunately, I was in Baltimore for only 10 days. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to guess that's better than being there seven years. Marty, I am, yeah, on, I am on record, man. There's nothing better than covering the Preakness. The, the, the barn, yeah. the, the, just how easy it is to get around Pimlico, I, I, think, I think it's just wildly underrated. And if you're a fan of horse racing, you can fly from here to Baltimore, get a hotel, rent a car, and it's cheaper to go to the Preakness than it is to go to the Derby. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's such an easy flight on Southwest. Yes. To go there, I yeah, refer I, to that uh, that one way flight on Sunday morning as the horse racing glitterati flight. Do you agree with me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like an eight ten flight back. Yeah, yeah. it's brutal. But, uh, it, when I was Everybody thought it. When I was when I was writing for the Sun, I, I lived in Columbia, Coach, which was about twenty five minutes from Baltimore, about twenty five minutes from Pimlico, and about uh, fifteen minutes from Laurel Park. And of course, all the horsemen and fans. Uh, preferred Laurel because it was just kind of a, a nicer facility, but uh, uh, well, a lot I, of great. Lot, I still have great friends in Maryland. Wait, I have to tell you, I was I was a member of the Baltimore Claws for ten days, and everybody. It was the old Memphis franchise, and they had a bunch of veteran guys, and Joe Mullaney was our coach. And we all knew it was just a matter of time before it, it it ceased to exist. And so instead of having two-a-days like you would in a normal training camp, we'd practice once in the morning, and then four or five of us would go to Bowie Racetrack in the afternoon. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, for years I had a keychain. The last day of Bowie, which was in uh, July of 85, they gave away keychain vials with the sand from the track in it. I, I've somehow lost it over the years. Oh, wow. Cool. All right. Well, since since uh, you have all of the Maryland connections, will you be at the Preakness this year? I doubt it. I don't okay. know. I, I, I might. I, I begged out of it last year, and I might this year. I'm I'm getting to where I'll be 64 in November. I'm getting kind of tired. So uh, right. maybe uh, maybe some of the younger DRF guys will, will fill in for me. Well, I, oh, I feel so <laughs> sorry for you, Marty. Well, I'll wait be there. Till you're yeah. seven, wait till you're 74. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the burden of being Dan Issel. I mean, just the, the, the horrible... You know, NBA pension burden that, that is Dennis. There, there's a there's a, a, a good chance that I will be at Keeneland for the Ashland and for the Bluegrass. So I'll see you there, Marty. Very good. Can't wait. Coach. All right. And before we let him go, Marty McGee, DRF McGee on Twitter. I wanted to give a personal thank you. Um, something happened in my broadcasting uh, life this past fall, which was that uh, my, my co-host, uh, Mike Gandolfo and I from our Horse Racing Happy Hour podcast, we're both voted into the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters, and I know that Marty was one of the voices in the room that was in favor of us joining. And um, I, I know the podcast thing is is um, kind of a foreign thing for lots of people, but I know Marty was one of the voices that was very supportive of us. And so, Marty, I wanted to publicly uh, thank you for that, and it was nice to run into you both at Breeders' Cup and then later in the meet at Churchill in November. So uh, just a personal thanks for me. Well, you belong. Appreciate it very much. All right, Marty McGee, DRF McGee. Thanks, Marty. DRF.com. Go find all their stuff. Go buy that paper copy this weekend as we get into, I mean, four 50-point races, people. Get all that information that you can. Marty, we appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, there you go. He called you coach the whole time. I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. You know what's funny is once in a while I'll call my dad coach because he was my hockey coach for so many years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just one of those, it's one of those titles that, you, you know, it's such a – it's such a, uh, I mean that was that was very respectful. So yeah, I, I well I would prefer that he call me player. <laughs> yeah. 
because I was a much better player than I was a coach. I, I agree with that assessment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not everybody could be great at both, right? Yeah. It's actually very rare, right, that someone's a great player and then they turn into a great coach. It's super Well, rare. you know, but but last night, uh, and I know we've got to go to break. No, you're fine. But, but last night um, I attended, and, and it's nice of the Nuggets to do this. They uh, – they have time to time. They have an outing uh, for season ticket holders, uh, and so they had one last night. And they had uh, they invited me and um, Walter Davis. Okay. I, I don't know if you remember that name or not from North Carolina. Walter was a terrific player. He was rookie of the year mm. in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns. He actually finished his career with the Nuggets and still lives here in Denver. And then five players. Uh, and, um, you know, the crowd, you know, it's uh, they're not it's not a young crowd, but it certainly isn't an old crowd. And the biggest hand I got all all last night was when they talked about uh, the Nuggets upsetting Seattle in the first Absolutely. round of the playoffs. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to hang my coaching hat on that one, Louie. <laughs> you should. I would. That's all I would talk about. I coached Matumbo. I made him great. That's what I would do. Yeah, right. <laughs> made him a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer because of me. Oh, man. That's right. All right. Thank you for Dana. All right. Well, a reminder that this hour of the show has been brought to you by our friends at Kentucky Tourism. You know, it's never too early to plan that summer getaway. Uh, you can do a multitude of things in the state of Kentucky. And best, you never have to get on an airplane. So if you're planning your summer vacation... Be sure to check out the Kentucky Tourism and KentuckyTourism.com. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at Athletico.com. 